listening to Spitball with Adri Ballhawk Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to the week 12 edition of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows. With me this week, Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. You are literally my favourite co-host. How are you, sir? <laughs> Very good, thank you. I, I hope I'm your favourite co-host, otherwise uh, having me here on the show each week seems a little bit redundant. Well, you literally are, and you can literally take <laughs> that to the bank. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so, uh, before we digress too much down that kind of avenue, it's been such a great week of action in the NFL this week. Got lots to talk about, but I thought this week we would get started with your team, Marcus. The St. Louis Rams and their match against... The Bears! The Bears! What are your thoughts on how well the Rams' defence is playing right now? I think the the Rams' defence has really come along with kind of like the way that Coach Fisher's come along. He He's a defensively-minded coach. You can definitely see that. The risks he's taken, like he brought in Alec Ogletree, even though he had the off-the-field issues in college... Um, he's brought guys in to make his team that he feels fit and it definitely seems to be the click at the moment I mean um, Clemens is making a great name for himself as a, a great backup I mean he's not going to wow the scoreboards as, as such but he's definitely man-managing the, the actual games and actually allowing us putting us in positions that we can actually win plus the the running game just seems to have taken off with Stacey just blowing up from out of almost nowhere whereas it would seem that uh, Darrell Richardson would be the, the number one back having been paid his dues behind um, like Jackson and then here comes this Stacy guy who's just beast the ball every every time he gets it he's like breaking up nearly sort of five and a half yards a game well it's so, not just um, um, it's not just Stacy is it because they've got the other back Cunningham as well who actually had the most yardage this week I mean he had 109 yards something like that didn't manage to score luckily Stacy got the points for my fantasy team but between the two <laughs> of them they've got they do seem to have quite a nice standard now in the NFL two back running back system yeah I mean it seemed that um, Richardson sort of gone and taking his place as the third back and like I said Cunningham's come in and it's, it's, it's kind of weird because both really Stacey and Cunningham really sort of play the same role I and mean, we spoke a while ago about Flash and Thunderbacks and uh, really Stacey and, and Cunningham are, are both big set backs and, and would be more sort of Thunder orientated but I, I feel that they give off a little bit more where Stacey has the slightly quicker feet and Cunningham has a little bit more of a sort of breakthrough like make the first tackler miss element to him. Yeah. Um, but the two back system really is what's helping Clemens out with like managing his game and just kind of like what we said back at the beginning of the season with Alex Smith, where he's not dazzling the scoreboards, but you know what he's doing? He's controlling the game and allowing the elements you need to win just to run their course. Yeah, let's, well, let's step back to defence as well because I'm glad you brought up uh, Alec Ogletree because I thought he had an absolutely sterling game. I mean, he had. 11 tackles this week and there was a big tackle on either third or fourth down on the goal line that he was involved in as well wasn't there so he's kind of really stepping up and starting to make some big plays on defense yeah no i must admit in defensively there was two got uh, red zone stops absolutely crucial two red zone stops that we managed to get there um, managed to get with the fumble that managed to turn it round, and then the fourth down stop i mean it was absolutely incredible incredible to see what the, the defense could do i mean they always say that you know when you back yourself up into your red zone it becomes a bit easy because the the game of yards has been taken away and there's less to defend but it's still it's hard to get down on that goal line and stop an easy one yards to be con- to get 
completed. I mean, if you're looking at sort of fourth and two, you know, on the opponent's two, you'd have to put your money on the team, your offensive team, because two yards so close, there's just so much you can do. It's interesting as well with the, uh, there was the battle with the brothers this week, which I thought was quite interesting as well. That's yeah, you made it. Um, yeah, again, it's it's like we don't plan it, but it's like you read my show notes seriously. Uh, <laughs> 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 generally, we don't plan this stuff, uh, believe it or not. Um, but one of my little notes here this week was, uh, in my words, a big kerfuffle that involved both of the brothers. But I have to say, when you watch the footage back, it's not Jake. Uh, it's not sorry. It's not Chris Long running on to to hit Jake Long or anything like that. It looks to me it's Chris Long running on to stop Jake Long getting caught up in all that, uh, basically, in the kerfuffle, shall we say. Yeah, I mean, when you first saw it, you just saw him running on and literally jump on his brother, and it was kind of like, oh, my word, what are you doing? But he didn't know that he didn't jump on his brother, did he? The first thing, he made a no. beeline for his brother, and it, he dragged him away from everything that was going on. That's what it was. I mean, it, it was basically pulled him away, and you can quite clearly see see there's a sort of like, you know, Put your head back on sunshine dad's watching come on don't do anything stupid it was it's was, it was very much it's quite endearing to watch you know the brothers look out for themselves at each other sort of i got your back yeah we're on the other side of the team here but you know come on sunshine put in a good performance day don't do anything silly don't get you know i mean sending offs are rare in the nfl you really have to do something to get ejected but yeah I'm handbags like... is a quick quick way to get sent off yeah absolutely and um Moving on from that, just um, quickly one last word really is that I just think it would probably be easy for what happened to be misconstrued and a lot of people probably will say that he just made a beeline for his brother to get caught up in a fist fight but there's absolutely no way in my mind, as I say, he's doing that. It's 100% getting him out of the way, doesn't want his teammates to start on him, doesn't want him to start on any of his teammates. But um, we'll move on from that and... um, what about Robert Quinn? I wanted to get your thoughts on him before we move on to uh, to one other player on your offense. You know what? Actually, I, I found that that Quinn is actually one of these sort of players that he's really come in and he's made such such a difference because I mean the exteriors of that front line when you've got Long and Quinn, if you're not getting attacked from one side, it's the other side. So if if Long's not, I mean, there was so much pressure. I mean, it didn't actually get put into much because at the end of the day, there was only actually one sack. But the amount of times McCowan got hit, the amount of times that, you know, he got like literally a second away and he would have been taken for a sack. But, you know, the pressure that was building around, containing through the pocket, Quinn and Long throughout the course of the game, if McCowan had to break free, Quinn or Long were chasing him down and trying to get a sack. It was it was very impressive. I think Quinn is just that perfect sort of mirror image for Long just on the other side of the exterior. And then, as we say, it helps that Ogletree plays outside linebacker, so he is, generally speaking, on the field behind either Long or Quinn. So, um, before we move on to the next game, just want to obviously give another mention to a young lad who had another phenomenal run, even though he's a receiver, and that is Tavon Austin's 65-yard touchdown run. What did you make of that? I thought it was very clever the way they sort of integrated him into the running game. We know he's got the legs. I mean, boy, has he got the legs. I mean, we watched that in the return game. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know. <laughs> we prefer to when, use pace rather than saying a football player's got the legs, but yeah, carry on. I think he's one of these guys who's going to be, become dynamic, and now that we've seen him through the running game, it's going to add another element of game film that opposition's going to have to look for. You know, it's going to make screening our offense a little bit harder, and I think 
the more you can get your opponent guessing, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll move on now to Dallas versus New York Giants. Bit of a bad start for the Giants, really, only managing two field goals in the first half. What are your thoughts on that game? Uh, at one point, I must admit, it got to half time and it was it was fourteen six, and I thought it was going to then completely collapse on the Giants. Uh, to keep it only that sort of like twenty four twenty one, it it got much closer than that than I thought it was going to be. Um, the fact that Eli Manning didn't actually throw an interception is shocking. <laughs> yeah, he's leading the league in those, I think, isn't he, this year? So it is a bit shocking, you're right. But his his completion percentage was sort of just about 50%. I mean, it wasn't great. Some of his big names, you look at the sort of the cruises of the world, he had a really quiet game. But then at the same time, you're looking at what they managed to do on the ground and the interior of the, uh, the Dallas defense. I mean, I know we know Sean Lee's out, right? Yep. The fact is, one guy can't make a linebacking call. But, oh, were they yeah, but when he's a middle linebacker, mate, running. when he's a middle linebacker, he is a massive part of that run defense. He's the one that's putting himself in the right place, looking for where all the gaps are going to appear or or where the running back's coming through. So, I think, you know, if if it was an outside linebacker, I might tend to agree with you. But when it's the main focus of stopping the run in the middle linebacker, I think that will make a hell of a difference. Yeah, but you got to think as well, though. I mean, Giants put this. In statistics, I know you're not a big fan of them, but statistically staying, they had over 200 yards off 30 carries. So you're looking at better part of over six yards per carry during the game. I mean, you just can't allow that in, in any any context. Four and a half, four yards, you can allow that in a game of football. That's manageable. That's managing the downs. Six yards a game, that's two rushing attempts, and they've got a first down. You can't allow them to be able to run the ball that effectively. Uh, Brown had over 100, ga- 100 yards. Also, Bryant on the other side of the field. Romo, you know, I think he, he had an interception or so, but he, he still had a good game. From so, what I'd say. He, so, who would you say looked better, Manning or Romo? I don't know. It's, it's, the problem was as well, Romo was getting sacked more. So, the more sacks, it was very difficult, but it was there was a couple of plays where he managed to sort of make something out of nothing. So... I, I'm going to give the edge to Romo on the game. No worries. Well, big win for the Cowboys in the NFC East. Uh, my question to you is, can the Cowboys win the NFC East? I don't know. I like what Philly's doing now, rocking behind uh, Nick Foles. And, you know, defence has sort of stepped up a notch or two. So I'm really gonna... liking Philly. OK, fair enough. Cool. Well, that, we'll leave that one there because we're just trying to fly through as many things as we can because there honestly was just so much um, that went on this week. So... Let's move on now to the San Diego versus Kansas game. Well, firstly, um, I'm sure you'll agree with me. Wow, <laughs> what a game that was. I mean, where where'd you start in a game that finishes 41-38? It, it was a changer, wasn't it? I mean, I can't even think how many lead changes there were. There was at least seven or eight lead changes. And I mean, that's just ridiculous in one game. Yeah, um, just... it, seemed a little, it seemed a little bland to begin with. I mean, the first quarter was just a little bit sort of soft and then literally they ran through I said literally again haven't I um, they've literally I've done again don't worry about it <laughs> I've gone myself and the so listeners much. are very much used to it by now so I think you should literally carry on I- I'm sure at some point someone's going to invent a drinking game where every time I say literally they take a shot the unfortunate thing is the amount of people that will succumb to alcohol poisoning through one listening to the podcast uh, I think that sounds like a Christmas challenge that when you're back over Christmas, we're going to listen to some of the podcasts and have the innuendo drinking challenge, which will be any time you come out with an innuendo you or you say literally, literally, we're going to have to take a drink. 
<laughs> I think that'd be sterling. But anyway, back to back to the game. Back to San Diego. Did we did we um, expect the second half just blew up and it was just mental after the second half. Did we expect a, a shootout like that or do we put it down to the injuries to uh, Houston and Harley on the t- Kansas defense? Is that why it then became a shootout? I don't know. That was so unfortunate. I mean, there was two real good players there taking unfortunate shots. I mean, Harley's ankle, uh, that that's really dug in that turf, and we saw that bend quite nastily. As well as Houston's, you couldn't quite see it because you saw the elbow impact quite heavily on the ground, but it was unfortunately the camera angle was didn't give you a clear indication. They're, they're all having MRI scans today, I believe, and there's probably some more update news if you have a look on um, some kind of uh, NFL website. I, I feel that, actually, to be fair, Smith hasn't had a game like this. He's been having really under 200-yard games. I mean, he had 290-ish yards. He had three touchdowns. There was that. That there was that interception, but it was the first time he really let his arm go. But yeah. again, it was solely behind Charles and uh, his running game. Yeah, and uh, just one one final thing on the game because we really must um, push on. Unfortunately, is um, that touchdown grab at the end by I hope I pronounce this right, but Ajarita too. <laughs> Yeah, I um, I'm not gonna try it again. But that was it was great the way he's managed to sort of force his way into position, and actually fight for the ball there. Um, I think Rivers really came off with a great game. The air game really sort of sold it. We knew that if there was one weakness, it was in the Kansas City secondary, and San Diego just went out and exploited it. Some great receiving um, numbers and performances on the day. Yeah, and we're gonna put a video of that last second touchdown grab by, uh, how am I going to say his name, Marcus? I'd say it's Ajira Tutu. Okay, we'll go with that. We're going to put a video of that touchdown grab. It was a beautiful one-handed grab as well, the way he just secured it under his body. But um, we'll put a video of that in the uh, show notes. Before we move on, is there any other games you want to talk about, Marcus? Uh, the only other game I'll talk about is the, the Carolina comeback. Oh, yeah, that was... That Carolina game, though, was a great game against uh, Miami, wasn't it? It was just swings and roundabouts the whole the whole way. I mean, very briefly, I'll, I'll mark on this again. Dolphin fans, you're probably pulling your hair out. This is the third time this year that you have been leading at halftime with a significant lead. This lead, I know this time it was only a lead of 10, but um, still a significant double-digit lead and then not score any points in the second half I revert you back to New England and I've forgotten the uh, the, the second game but this is now the third time you've managed to let a double digit lead slip in the second half wow and everyone says their problems are on the offensive line eh yeah it, it, was, it was definitely a readjustment by Carolina at half time exploiting it and, and pushing through and Cam Newton to be fair had a very average game but they still managed to win mainly that defence luckily they have got a defence to sort of shut down in the second half but yeah yeah and, Miami uh, wow yeah Keech, uh, sorry, uh, Luke Keekley with the um, well what was effectively a, a game winning stop I think for me in the end zone uh, not sure the receiver's name that caught it in the back of the end zone but Keekley just absolutely lit him up didn't he just, uh, just I was, I was blew glad him out as of well, his feet they, they threw a flag on that play um, and I think but they took it they back. were going to call targeting and they, they yeah they waved it off because it's quite clearly seen he leads with his arm into the guy's body and the helmet hits the shoulder and then bounces up into the guy's head so I'm glad they did manage to actually bring that back and wave the flag off yeah definitely so um, I know that's only a few of the games from this week but 
do check out our blog for some of the others we've covered uh, tried to cover a little bit of both between the blog and the podcast this week because there were just so many games to talk about so uh, go over to the website check that out that's www.bullhawksnest.weebly.com have a look at the lowdown and uh, check that out you are listening to spitball it's that time of the week again when i ask the 64 million dollar question marcus what has been grinding your gears this week you know what really grinds my gears i'll tell you what's been grinding my gears this week and that is nfl players and wrapping up like they are ninjas or some kind of Inuits. I mean, we're talking about the guys playing around in balaclavas while trying to play a game of football. Come on, guys, what are you playing at? You're not ninjas. You're not SAS. What's with the balaclavas, guys? Seriously, base layers, we can understand. It gets cold. This was some of the temperatures we had around the league. I mean, Green Bay, game time, minus two degrees, fair play. Still not cold enough to dress yourself up. Uh, Foxborough that night, one degree pretty chilly but guys you're gonna be playing football you're gonna be out there being physical being tough show it show that the cold doesn't affect you okay referees that's fair enough you're standing around for 80 percent of the game but come on players when in this sort of day and age when you've even got fans in the stands and i must admit braveness to the the four girls who were caught on cbs i thought the they would come up green the, bay. the green bay girls i knew you'd bring them up my friend absolutely yeah if they can be there in bikini tops uh, yeah, the players have got no excuse. Exactly. So you know what, guys? You're supposed to be playing the toughest sport on earth, so it's time to show it. And that means ignoring the cold and just getting down to business. And that's what's grinding my gears. I'm also glad you put in a little bit of explanation in there because when you were talking about them wrapping up like ninjas, I was trying to imagine a ninja tackling someone and not wrapping up. <laughs> that would make... That would make an awesome sort of alternative football league, though. Just ninjas and then just coming out of the shadows. Tackle! Ha! Ah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Coming out of the shadows, touchdown. What? How? What? Eh? <laughs> yeah, but maybe development. I think I think that needs to be a patent pending. Uh, <laughs> Adjumalos, Mark, and you end up bingo on, ninja football. We'll um, we'll come back to that and maybe that's something we can uh, create in the future. <laughs> That'll be. <laughs> <laughs> What's the team uniform? Uh, it's black. Uh, what's the opposition uniform? Uh, it's uh, black. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very, very, very dark grey. We've got to have different uniforms here. Oh, uh, yeah, very, okay, very yeah, true, yeah. We'll, we'll go on a big scale of, like, semi-dark grey to completely black, and then we'll we'll see what happens with the uniforms. But anyway, we digress, so uh, let's crack on. Finish him. move on to some player news from around the league and just some general player opinions we don't get a chance to uh, cover this sort of topic too much because there's always far too much going on in the games but a couple of points I want to come back to from when we were talking about the San Diego Kansas game earlier in the show um, firstly it was great to see Keenan, Keenan Allen stepping up and having a really great game for the Chargers at receiver when they're um, down one or two receivers at the moment and uh, also question for you Marcus what has happened to Ryan Matthews? This is the guy that kicks Sproles out of his place in San Diego. And for the last sort of four or five years, he hasn't played a full season. He's missed four games here, six games there, eight games there, four games there. Don't know if you saw it, they brought up a little stat of how many games he'd missed over the last four or five years. It's, it's crazy to think a Premier running back 
that was Ryan Matthews just isn't playing any football at all. And when he does play, it's kind of a, this is what's grinding my gears. Ryan Matthews, that's who's grinding my gears. <laughs> he was a first choice fantasy draft pick at one stage and now you you wouldn't even dream of picking him, surely. Well, no, they've gone into this, this thing in, in San Diego where, again, like I said, I mentioned the Rams earlier that we had three backs that they were trying to get into the rotation. They're kind of doing the same in San Diego. They know that the uh, the pass game is their strength. But, of course, you have to play the run to check to the pass. And I think Matthews has, with his injuries and the fact of acquiring Woodhead and Brown, there's enough talent there that you can you can constantly rotate. I mean, you look at how many rushing you know rush attempts they had on Sunday, and that was 26 in total. And you're sitting there going, through those 26, you've got Matthews had 14, Woodhead had 6, and Brown had 6. So the distribution is, is quite even, but everyone's only averaging about 3.9 a go. It, it, it seems to be that there's a, a tendency to, to play the run only when the pass isn't working. And you see the games where Matthews does all right, it's the games where Rivers doesn't. And so therefore it makes me feel that when the passing is good, they forget about the run. Uh, when the passing is bad, the run comes back into play, trying to open up the play action, etc., etc. So for me, I think the problem is now he's really become a B player in the team as a, the offensive scheme and the sort of ideals that they're trying to portray down in San Diego, which is that typical West Coast offense of throw the ball deep. So you're saying I'm probably being a little bit too harsh on the guy and that it's more down to San Diego wanting to pass first and, and run second and when they do run, it is run on committee. So whoever is in the best form or the best player in that situation like any third down you would put Danny Woodhead in wouldn't you say I think they've got a lot of different looks and a lot of different setups and a load of different rotations I think what's happening now is that Matthews isn't considered maybe back A as much as it is as he would be considered whereas you look at some of the others which have a predominant running back the likes of say Adrian Peterson who is getting I said there's 26 carries Peterson can do that in a, in one game yeah easily absolutely so I think I think now what they're looking to achieve is a, a, a run-based pass balance, meaning that the pass will will be the, the the priority feature, and the run is built to play out of that, and it's more a sort of check down from sort of rivers when the they've gone into a sort of the defense has gone into a pass-heavy sort of defense, allowing for those extra gaps that the running back can go through. I mean, Matthews had a, he had over 50 yards, he had the touchdown. Again, he's only averaging about three, 3.8, 3.9 yards a carry. So he really is fighting for every sort of yard he can give. Um, and I don't know if that is credit to the great run defense that Kansas City has, but clearly there is some kind of trend running at the moment in San Diego that is we're going to focus on the pass and we're going to then imply the, uh, the run game when it's needed rather than to set up the pass. Yeah, I have to say, um, that brings me on nicely to kind of the the next bit of uh, the news I was able to find, and it um, goes out to uh, Philadelphia really. And you'd have to say, um, you mentioned there about using the pass to open up the run, and with the amount of yards Lashawn McCoy is getting this year, you would have to say that Philadelphia would probably be a prime example of using the pass and uh, having the deep press that they do to then open up the box area for Lashawn McCoy to be able to get his yards through the middle. And we've always sort of talked about that. I just want to say this is probably going to be a bit controversial, bearing in mind we're only in week 12. But if Nick Foles continues to show this form and Philadelphia keep winning, 
I'm putting Nick Foles for my league MVP. What say thou? I think he really, to get a league MVP, you've got to give the boy a full season. I don't think he's been given that. And because of that, there's some people who have managed to just slightly keep ahead of the running. If you were to give him starter's job from next year in the same sort of situation and he runs the same sort of performance levels, I think definitely we could put him in the top five, top three maybe. But do you not just think that, because obviously MVP being most valuable player, that since he's come in to replace Vic, this is why I'm saying him as being MVP, because when you had Vic there, it was nowhere near the same team and offence that it is now under Nick Foles. So he's bringing the best out of everyone. So without him, it, it wouldn't be the same team, hence making him the most valuable player, rather than necessarily needing to be over all season. Because he came in after, what, four or five weeks, I think it was, maybe maybe less. Because he played a couple of games as sub, don't forget, when, when Vic got a little bit injured. So I think, I don't know, I'd love to know what everyone else out there thinks. But um, I would like to push for him if he keeps going the way he is, especially if they win the division and then get into the playoffs and they would be uh, definitely the underdog going into playoffs but they may pull off a shock or two because I think they have the offensive capability to do that especially with LaShawn McCoy as well Is it your equivalent of those who try and get ACDC to be Christmas Christmas number one you want Nick Foles to be NFL MVP is that your run of claim? I, I think it would be yeah because I'd, I'd love to see the, the uh, proverbial underdog in the Eagles making a run at the playoffs now and on the back of that, Nick Foles getting the credit I think he deserves at the moment. I honestly think I I, I think with the way it's going to go, Dallas looking a little bit shaky, um, and Philadelphia not having the worst of schedules left to go run through the season. I can definitely see them getting to the playoffs. I, I really hope they do manage to find a way of coming through. And somehow, I, I don't think they'll get to go automatic. They'll definitely have to go through a wild card, and it depends who they meet. But I I, I think there is a good chance for them to at least get into the next sort of knockout stage, you know, the second round or even the possibly the conference round. No if, well. they, if their luck holds. So, yeah, Excellent. Okay. I, I, think, I think we should all back that. OK, nice one. Well, I'll let you have a little bit of a choice now. We can either stay on the quarterback front or we can fit in some news around a couple of other play, other positions around the league. So uh, what would you rather do, some more quarterback or some alternatives? Let's, let's open up the floor. Let's, let's have some alternatives. OK, well, let's start firstly with... Brandon Browner. Now, I'm sure you've probably seen the news out there today. Um, it's looking like he is going to be suspended for a year for violating the league's substance abuse policy. Now, that has major implications for him if he does get banned for a year because his contract with the Seahawks is also up at the end of this season. So, if he's banned for a year, do you see anything other than the Seahawks letting him go? Uh, come February. I think it's uh, thank you and good night, Mr. Browner. Yeah, it's that cut and dry, isn't it, really? It's, it's the same problem I think we're going to have. There's a lot of problems with this substance abuse policy, and there's a lot of people who have fallen foul to it. We've already seen Justin Blackman fall foul to this this year, and there's always at least four or five that managed to fall beside the wayside. It's criminal no, when you look at those two players as well. Like Justin Blackman is an unbelievable receiver. And uh, so young in his career as well. Same with uh, Browner, really. They're still uh, only in their first few years of the league. And to see such talented players like that have to be suspended because they, they have a, a well a substance problem. It's I mean, it, let's face it. I mean, it probably it's either alcohol or obviously a what we would call a uh, I don't know. Is cannabis now a class B drug over here? So it's kind of it's still not obviously hardcore, but. Um, it's, it seems a shame for such a talent to go to waste because of things like that. It's, it's the human part of the uh, the league that we love the human element 
when it engages with the enrichment of the soul but when it looks at the, the darker side of the soul unfortunately that's the other side that comes with the human element you get the good human element and unfortunately this is the bad human element that's associated with all professional sports unfortunately yeah well let's just hope they get the, the help they deserve because i would love to see both of them come back into the league and, and have great careers and and hey you know if uh, if Dwayne Chambers can get back into athletics after everything he did then um, these guys definitely deserve a second chance as well so um, hopefully they'll get through it and uh, come out brighter on the other side so um, so let's get on to the wide receiver position with Michael Crabtree San Francisco 49ers looks like he is going to play some form of role in Sunday's game is he what the 49ers have been missing recently barring obviously their result against the Skins last night. Uh, yeah, I mean, not taking the result against the Skins into con- in contention. I mean, you looked at what like Bolden did last night and absolutely blew everything away. He was absolutely amazing. But um, it was they just have the Redskins, so... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is you have got to take this into proportion that the fact is when they've needed to come down in clutch, the likes of when they were playing Carolina and stuff, the deep threat and, and the speed that is on Crabtree, he, I mean, he was drafted because he was quick. That was one of the main reasons was he was a down-the-field threat. Bolden is, is your more sort of your typical clutch receiver. He'll catch any pass thrown in tight double coverage and such. But I think maybe a deep pass threat, just to give Kaepernick something to, to lengthen the field. I mean... When he's having to deal with very short passes in, in short spaces and your field is compressed, it gives those safety something to just come down and break down on, especially a running quarterback like him. They're going to be eager to break down slightly more anyway. So when you've got a running quarterback and you have some guy who can stretch the field, suddenly then there's a lot of gaps to exploit, not just for Kaepernick, not just for, uh, to, for Crabtree to race down the field, but also everyone else then finds that there's slightly softer zones and the man marking becomes a little bit more limper because there's a lot more ground for the guys to run through and the the man markers to cover. So I feel he'll be a great addition if they use him right. Yeah, and you're going to love this link because I'm going to turn what you were saying there about having the the deep threats and the mobile quarterback into the Buffalo Bills. Ooh, how did that happen? Wow. (laughs) It's uncanny, obviously, with with EJ Manuel and just uh, Marquise Goodwin, the speed of him, as you say, he's going to almost play like that Crabtree role about being able to stretch the field but we've not just got him as well we've got um, Robert Woods and we've got TJ Graham who's got pace to burn but Goodwin especially I mean you've seen the pace that guy's got some of the touchdowns he's caught this year when uh, there was one pass I think from from Chul where it looked like he was uh, he was being covered didn't look like he would get the separation this is going to sound really bad pun but turn on the Jets and he did the same against the Jets <laughs> so, was, but you know what I mean he's so just bad, he, so I know it was really really bad and I, I apologise to everyone out there but it's just that separation speed that you don't expect it's almost like he's jogging the route until he knows he can get the ball and then just turns on extra speed and uh, we're saying Crabtree basically has the, the same sort of effect for the 49ers if you're going to use him right the reason he was drafted into this league was to be the man to stretch the field. You stretch the field, he might only catch one catch all game, might only catch one or two. So the idea is he'll get the safeties to play deeper than they want to play. They'll open up the game for Kaepernick so and he can cool. do all that crazy stuff that he does. And the likes of Bolden and uh, Davis underneath, they're going to reap the benefits. Yeah. It'll help in the running game too as well because when you're playing play action alongside that deep threat, it means Gore will get some extra sort of room, sort of leniency, because those linebackers might take an extra yard or two step back, so he might get a better game. Absolutely, yeah. So we've just got a couple more bits to cover, which we'll do 
relatively quickly. But um, so Greg Schiano likes Glenn as the long-term QB down in Tampa. Not sure what your thoughts on this are, Marcus. But in the last six games, he's had 13 touchdowns and only one interception. So were we a little bit hard on him? Did he just have the rookie nerves when he first came in? Hence all the picks. Is he starting to develop into a decent NFL quarterback? I think he is. I think uh, keeping this short and sweet, uh, he's got his head on the right way. He he knows where he's got to go. He knows what he's got to improve on. But at the same time, Shiano is the kind of coach that he needs behind him and Tampa needs to kind of take themselves out of the dark ages they've had recently and in something brighter. Excellent. Also on the quarterback front, there's just a couple more questions I have to ask. First one is uh, Jay Cutler has said that he wants to stay in Chicago, um, even if he's given the franchise tag. So is Jay Cutler the right guy to take that franchise forward? Potentially he is, but uh, McCowan's making a great bid to uh, to steal the starting job from him. I mean, they managed to hold just in that rained-off game that we spoke about last week. But yeah. um, I, I think if he's going to be the man to, to step up, it's going to be difficult with the injury proneness that he has and we know that he can get injured and be sidelined for a while I think if he's going to come back as a starter I think he's got maybe one more injury left and it might have to be called quits okay and just finally then what's happening to Andrew Luck and RG3 at the moment are they themselves playing badly or is it just the talent around them or lack of talent around them that's causing the major problems for them? Um, I don't know what's happening in Indianapolis because when we saw at the beginning of the year, they looked powerful. We were sitting there going, ooh, could be Super Bowl, here we come. They did lose uh, Reggie Wayne in, in the three, was it about three weeks ago they lost Reggie Wayne and I thought at the time that Hilton and um, oh, Hayward Bay. Over. Yeah, that's it, Darius Hayward Bay. I thought they had the potential to step up and, and replace him. But maybe maybe Reggie Wayne not being there is, is proving a factor because he doesn't have the, the clutch guy. And if you mark Fleener out of the game, maybe that's why they're, they're doing so badly. I don't know. He's been looking towards Fleener since Wayne's gone. Fleener's catches and his percentage has gone up and his stock in sort of yards and touchdowns, he's suddenly becoming the target. Don't know whether or not the guys in Hilton, um, Hayward Bay and that other guy, um, Brazil... Um, whether the rest of that sort of receiving court is is to blame. As far as RG3, he hasn't got the offensive line he needs to protect him. Whether he's gimpy about the fact that his leg still might not be 100%, he's playing through all this, trying to stay healthy. Doesn't help, like I said, when he's getting sacked so much. I'm not sure. With Indianapolis, there's definite problems on defense again. This is going back to two or three years ago when you remember the defense was so bad. But well, that was really the year that their defense won the Super Bowl for them against the Chicago Bears, though, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about the, the year when they went literally almost winless. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. When they had no Peyton Manning. No Peyton Manning. And it didn't matter who was who they were playing. Everyone was getting at least 30-plus points on them. And it was just embarrassing. Same from here, I'd say, in Washington. Is that Washington, though RG3 has to constantly pick himself up from getting sacked all the time, also, defense isn't doing themselves any favors by letting people complete drives. And the, the third down percentage is just really where you've got to adjust it because you can't allow people, especially you say like um, the, the third down efficiency through, uh, we're talking nearly 30, 40% in, in the likes of like Washington. You can't allow 40% of the time your team to be progressing on you. It needs to be further down the 30 to the sort of 25, a quarter of the time you can kind of get away with, but not sort of 40%. It's just they're gonna they're gonna drum it out of you by the end of the game. Defense gets tired. You're you're fighting a losing battle. Fair enough. Okay. Well, we'll leave the player news there for this week. What's up, big boy? Fuck, 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 fuck. Let's go. Fuck.
Nice job. Way to get us over there, baby. I got you, baby. Hey, uh, old school game. This is our game, you. right? This is our kind of game. Now we've reached the uh, favourite part of the show for me. I know I say it every time, but it's because it's true. This is my favourite part of the show. I don't know if, uh, how innuendo over there feels about it, but I, I love it when we give out our awards. It's a, g- a good chance to recognise great performances of the uh, the week rather than the season. Isn't that right, Marcus? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That's all you've got to say about that. Nice. OK, Forrest, let's move on. We're going to start this week back again with our Mr... Award, and uh, who have you gone with as your runner-up this week, Marcus? Silver medalist this week is going to go to Leonard Johnson, cornerback, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. An interesting choice, actually. Yeah, I was wondering where you would go with this week because I was looking around and, and obviously remembering the uh, the highlights myself, and I was actually struggling to come up with some winners for this award this week. So, uh, how has he uh, got your silver medal? He took uh, four tackles. He got an interception for a touchdown. A uh, nice little forty-eight yard return while he's making that touchdown. For me, what he what he did through the game. I mean, he had the difficulty playing over, especially taking over from when Revis went down, taking on the mantle of trying to take on Megatron. I mean, that's we we give Megatron an award because he's that awesome. So having to then play against him, the fact that he made an impact through the the points. Tampa Bay managed to miss three field goals to literally seal the game off. And it came down to these extra defensive points that they managed to acquire. And so for me, not quite good enough to win the award, but definitely enough to get me a mention. So sticking with the uh, the same game and the, the same team, I've also gone for a member of that Tampa Bay defence that helped uh, keep Megatron at bay. And that is Levante David, linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with his 12 tackles, one interception and one forced fumble. So really helped, as we say keep Megatron and Matthew Stafford at bay. I, th- I think seeing that we're actually just, while we're ripping on this game, we might as well give a silver medal as far as Ray Lewis for a map turnovers and defensive impact for Matthew Stafford for his four interceptions nicely done in that game. Uh, well, you, you probably should give him a round of applause there. Okay, done. Nice, okay. Well, we move on now to the Mr... Award winner. So, who have you gone with this week, Marcus? This week, I have gone for Von Miller, linebacker, Denver Broncos. Von Miller, wow. Yes, the bad boy of the NFL at the moment. Four tackles, two sacks, a 60-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown, and he then decided to force his own fumble later on, which was recovered. He really had a great game, but, I mean, it was kind of weird because for such a great first half, I was a little disappointed to not see it reciprocated in the second half with an amazing second-half performance. So, hang on. You you said he forced his own fumble, or do you mean he recovered something and then fumbled? he, He recovered one fumble. For right. a 60-yard touchdown. Yep. And then he forced another fumble, which was then re- recovered by, I believe, one of the uh, the other linemen. I can't remember the actual guy's name. But, yeah, he, he forced a fumble, and he recovered a fumble. The gotcha. one he recovered, he scored. Woo-hoo. Okay, gotcha. So he was really all over them. in First half-wise, in that 24-0 sort of first half block, it was absolutely astounding the way he saw it. I would have just liked to have seen him put more of an impact I mean, it was difficult because Brady kind of found his rhythm. I mean, you mentioned it in your blog how um, the Patriots came back for it. But I I think that without him putting in such an effort in the first half, I think that he really needs to put the same sort of effort in the second half and it could have been a completely different game. Still, the impact in that first half, what we're affecting the scoreboard, affecting turnovers, sacking Brady, making him uncomfortable, 
in that first half, he completely impacted it, dominant to the, to the max. Nice work. Well, this week for my Mr. Award winner, I've gone with, um, uh, as they say, an oldie but a goodie because this week we saw the man, the machine that was Troy Polamalu come to the forefront again. That's right, Steelers fans. I'm actually giving one of your players a shout out and with good reason as well. We saw the return of the man. He only had four tackles, but one was a sack. Two of them were forced fumbles. He was all over the field, terrorising everybody. And I've not seen him play that well in a few years. And I'm hoping he carries on that form for the rest of the season. Because this week, he was my impact player of the week. So, let's move on now to our... Awards, and uh, I'll go with uh, my runner-up first, if I may. Yeah. So, uh, my runner-up, or silver medal, as my good friend Marcus likes to say, has gone to Larry Fitzgerald, another oldie but goodie um, this week. I think just the way he played in the first part of that game, making a couple of crucial receptions for touchdowns. Um, granted, on the day, he only had five receptions for 52 yards, but just the footwork on that first touchdown he scored, there's not many receivers that would have been able to come up with that kind of play. So that's why he gets my silver medal shout-out this week. How about you, Marcus? My runner-up for the <laughs> award is going to go to Philip Rivers, quarterback for San Diego Chargers. Yeah, I can I can see why. And uh, But how comes runner-up and not winner? Uh, that will become evident when you see my winner. But for me... It was he had a great game, great battle with the the Kansas City defense, back and forth, back and forth. Ultimately coming out on top, managing to win the game for them. 392 yards and three TDs, no interceptions. That's what we like to see. Nothing in that interception column. Um, I feel that he he's really getting some games. He's great. Other games he's not great. Uh, this was a great game, and he really made an impact because without Philip Rivers at the helm. I say San Diego don't win that because it was the attack in the secondary that won it. I'm not going to say any more because um, he was actually my <laughs> award winner. So um, thanks for covering that in your runner-up. I uh, don't really think I need to <laughs> add much more than that with uh, Philip Rivers being my uh, Megatron award winner this week. So um, let's crack on straight into your <laughs> award winner. My Megatron Award winner this week, I'll give you one statistic to say why he is my Megatron Award winner this week. And this is 10 and 4 against Peyton Manning. It's Mr. Comeback himself, Tom Brady, quarterback, New England Patriots. How very dare you pick a Patriots player. <laughs> you couldn't help it. The fact that way he turned on the afterburners in the second half to bring them back from the brink of the abyss, back to life, back for the win... 344 yards, three touchdowns. That is how we do it. Um, it was brilliant to see how he's, he was so enthusiastic as well. The way you saw the passion in Gronk's touchdown and the way he was just getting behind his team, getting behind them, getting every one of those players to believe that they can win. I don't see any sort of other ulterior motive to say why this guy couldn't be an impact on any team he played for. I think Absolutely. you could take him, dump him into any team and literally the profile of that team would raise exponentially. Absolutely, but do me impact. a favour, right, and say say the name of that tight end again, but in a way that only you can. Gronkowski. That's the one, but only in a way you can. Rob Gronkowski. Your Vince McMahon voice, come on. <laughs> Is that how I sounded? Yeah. <laughs> come on. 
I can't remember sounding like that, so I'm not going to try and repeat it. Just do it already. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski. There we go. Nice one. Thanks for humouring me there, and uh, we shall leave that there. So congratulations to on the <laughs> front, Philip Rivers and Tom Brady. He wears hugs. He pees sitting down. Now he's actually a, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. In all fairness, so I can't really hate on him too much, much though I want to. Uh, and obviously for our Mr. Award winners, we have uh, Troy Polamalu, and I apologise, you have to remind me again who who you went Von with. Von Miller. There we go, Von Miller. Nice one, Marcus. So that wraps up the awards for this week. Oh, y'all want the play? Okay, here we go. We've got Gun, Hulk left slot. Dixie left, Key left. Mercedes, wide chip, Ricky. Zebra left, 75, Katie. Omaha, quick go. Now we move on to Marcus's picks for week 13. But before we get into the games for this week. Marcus, do you know how well you did last week out of 14? Oh, no, no, I forgot to, to keep track of that. Have you kept track of it? Uh, yeah, I did say I was going to keep track of it so that both myself and the listeners out there can either congratulate you or mock you. And this week, you got 6 out of 14. So you were oh. under 50% this week. But... As a saving grace, you did say that the Jags would beat the Texans. Ah, come on. That's, that's, uh, that's, uh, I love my little controversial sort of so, sets of the weeks. I may, I may give on. you an extra point for that and bump you up to 50% just because you did call the Jags beating the Texans, which was way out there, I'm not going to lie. So um, let's begin with this week's efforts. We have Green Bay versus Detroit. Detroit. You're picking Detroit? Yeah, Detroit. Fair enough. I'm assuming that's just because I'm asking you to name one really quickly rather than taking into account that Detroit haven't won a home game on Thanksgiving for the last five to ten years. Okay, Oakland versus... Yeah, but taking on a Green Bay team with Tolzien at the helm, I'll take Detroit. Well, it's going to be Matt Flynn, but um, Oakland versus Dallas. (laughs) Dallas, did you say? Dallas, yeah. Okay, Pittsburgh versus Baltimore. Baltimore at home. Jacksonville versus Cleveland. Tough, but I'm going to have to give it to Cleveland. All the home teams so far. Tennessee versus Indianapolis. I'm going to have to run with the home teams again. Go Indianapolis. No worries. Uh, Chicago versus Minnesota. Chicago. (laughs) Finally an away team. Uh, Miami versus the New York Jets. Miami. Woohoo! Arizona versus Philadelphia. Philadelphia. For a minute then, I thought you were going to pick five home, five away, and see what you got for the rest. Um, (laughs) Tampa Bay versus Carolina. Carolina. New England versus Houston. New England. <laughs> he said that with such excitement. Right, Atlanta versus Buffalo, and be careful. Buffalo. Are you genuinely going with Buffalo? Atlanta stink, Buffalo. Fair enough. Uh, and it's at Toronto as well, I believe, that game. So, uh, St. Louis versus San Francisco. St. Louis. Yeah, picking his boys, good lad. Uh, Denver versus Kansas. Kansas in the Arrowhead. Wow, yeah, nice. Okay, well, if if Kansas win that one and New England do beat Houston, that bumps Denver down to third, doesn't it, in the uh, in the seedings. So, uh, Cincinnati versus San Diego. San Diego. Uh, New York Giants versus Washington. In the Wooden Spoon Contest, Giants. And finally, the big Monday night game, New Orleans versus Seattle. Got to give it to Seattle. the slightly better defence, Seattle. Yeah, it's in Seattle as well, isn't it? So, Home of 12th man. Exactly. So... 
Of the above games then, Marcus, what would be your... I'm going to go gobble down some turkey and I'm going to go visit a nice Thanksgiving Day game here with Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Nice AFC North matchup. And you know what? I see Baltimore after the way that they progressed through and managed to beat the Jets quite convincingly. And Pittsburgh sort of beating off, you know, Cleveland nicely, but a very sort of dilapidated Cleveland team. I see Baltimore coming away very nicely from this in M&T Bank staging with a 70 to 30%. That's this a, could be a nice lip, sorry? Uh, I was just saying, that's, a, that's a big old swing. That's I'm saying a two score swing here. I'm, I'm putting 14 points down for Baltimore ahead. Nice. Well, um, for my swing, it's tricky because uh, you know me, I, I don't like to be controversial at the moment because that's kind of your bag and when I do it, I just look like a complete I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go with New England beating Houston by 70%, so at least two scores, even though they're away from home. It's going to be almost a question of here is, when do New England stop scoring? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. So, before we finish off this week, do you have any other business or topics you would like to discuss, young Marcus? As of now, from the, the football world, no. So, there's something else you want to talk about that's not from the football world? <laughs> no, no, I think this week we are A-OK. Bring on week 13. Yeah, unlucky for some, probably Detroit, because it's Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, the irony. <laughs> exactly. Well, they always give a lovely Thanksgiving Day present to whoever they play at home. Check out the stats on that one. Honestly, Marcus, when you look at how many games they've lost at home on Thanksgiving, it's criminal. Maybe they'll break that trend because you've picked them this week. Remember, if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. Tweet us at Bullhawks Nest. Find us on Facebook or any of the social media icons at the top of the website. And of course you have our blog to go to as well if you go to our website www.bullhawksnest.weebly.com and you can also download us on iTunes. So for now we sign off this week football fans. Want to wish you all for this upcoming holiday a fantastic Thanksgiving. I hope you have a fantastic time with your family. Um, enjoy the holidays. And uh, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by.